Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Saturday, January 18th, 2014. And with me this wonderful evening on Skype is... Nicholas Yu of Zucchini People Games. Yes. You know, so Nick, like I, uh, like I told you before now, a couple people have kind of come in under the radar after you and I talked about this, but I still think technically, as far as the game of crowdfunding is concerned, you're not only our first return guest getting interviewed, mm-hmm. but like I said, I went back and looked at when you came on and, and yours was actually the kind of catalyst for me to start actually doing interviews. So you helped yeah. kick off the interview side of the game of crowdfunding. Yeah, I remember that. You said, you know, you were trying to get into it at the time. And that came up, I think, during our first interview. You're like, yeah, I really want to get into interviewing more crowdfunding project creators. Yeah, so it was back when we were kind of still juggling uh, what the game of crowdfunding was going to eventually become. And and then we had you on to, to talk about Hero Brigade back then. Yeah. And uh, it was just a quick little, like, 15-minute, interview that we did real quick yeah, it was pretty quick yeah <laughs> and here we are today yeah i'm gonna be really disappointed if i don't get picked too so just no pressure but you know <laughs> well uh, again the uh the big question is do you want to be picked i don't know it's a lot of pressure right <laughs> well and the other thing is you kind of usually hope you've you've already funded by the time we uh well, record again when are you picking thursday well no that's and that's the other issue that's the other thing too um and i'll just go ahead and say it here since a, a lot of people aren't going to uh get to know this but we were supposed to record this tuesday now nick and that's i it. nick and i were supposed to do the interview this wednesday this coming wednesday and we kind of bumped it up you're still probably not going to hear this for a while but we bumped up the interview because we've got some personal uh things going on we had we've had a death in the family so unfortunately we're supposed to do draft picks on tuesday and and that's not going to happen either sarah couldn't reschedule basically our schedules didn't mesh to do it earlier so unfortunately it's going to be probably like three more weeks before we do draft picks again (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i I hope to be funded by then i mean we're uh, just short of 50 percent right now yeah i know i saw that that uh is awesome I, re- I remain cautiously optimistic. <laughs> oh, come on, man. All right. Well, let, you know, let's get into Like we said, uh, we just, the first time you were on, we just did this 15 mm-hmm. minute interview. It was one of the not first interviews we did because we've done them on the main podcast, but the first one that was probably, well, again, it was part of the game of crowdfunding thing. So mm-hmm. you've done a lot since then, and I've done a lot of interviews since then. Yep. So let's get into this, sir. All right. You know, and I don't think we asked you our uh, normal questions. So uh, what do you do for a profession besides design and publish games, sir? Uh, I'm working part-time as a pharmacy technician right now. Uh, I used to uh, work in project management for a security company. But since we've had our kids, my wife and I just had uh, newborn twin boys. So that's kind of my, my main job now. And, <laughs> and so congratulations that, that's, that's again. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy being a dad. <laughs> Did you ever think the day would come? No, no, but it's awesome, man. I, I would not go back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what makes you a geek, sir? Pretty much every facet of my personality, I would say. But, I mean, I, I consider geeks not, you know, you have that stereotype, you know, poor social skills, you know, uh, maladjusted personalities, whatever. But for for me, it's the things that we're interested in. And there's a, a lot of different types of geeks. You know, you have the comic book geek. You have the gamer geek, you have the anime geek, and I'm kind of all of those geeks. So I, there's very few like geek 
passions that I'm not passionate about. And then do you have any geek level passions for something that the typical person might not consider geek related? No, uh, they're mostly pretty geeky. <laughs> uh, I mean, my primary passions are, are, are games, obviously, uh, board games, video games. Those that that's what I'm most passionate about. Uh, I think movie geekdom that's a little more allowable. I'm, I'm a pretty big movie geek too, but that's something that mainstream society uh, seems to accept a little bit more. Like you're a cinemaphile. Yeah, that's a big one in this household. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Last time we talked, we did talk about the uh, name of your company and, and how that mm-hmm. came to be, Zucchini People Games. Yep. But again, we kind of flashed through that that whole interview. So this is my chance to kind of talk to you a little more about the uh, history, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide to become a designer, uh, as in to go past that hobby level? Yeah, um, it's something that... Um I've wanted to do forever for so long. I really wanted to just design games. And, but it, it's, you know, as you know, from talking to all these people, this is a really hard industry to break into because you have so many people who are passionate about it and want to be doing it. And, uh, to really attract a publisher or a distributor, it, it's tough, but Kickstarter has changed the tabletop community for better or for worse. I, but I think for better. And I finally said, you know what? There's, enough opportunity out there for me, I can go out there and self-publish. I can go out there and do it. And, you know, I turned 35. The kids hadn't been born yet, so I had some free time. And uh, <laughs> I was like, you know what? This is this is my chance. Like, it, it's now or never. I'm, I'm going to do it. Or And I, I was going to do it even if I, I was willing to fail, but I was I had to try. And then is your uh, overall goal just to continue to work on and self-publish games for yourself or are you potentially looking at going the publisher route at any given time i think event well I, I, i'm of two minds originally i was like you know what i'll self-publish i'll create my board game empire you know I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the next whatever giant publisher there is uh but that's a lot of work uh and i'm not sure it's possible to do that when you have two two-month-year-old kids <laughs> at least not not at this time you know so that's something i've shelved a little bit so i'm looking more at the designer angle you know for me to have you know start selling games to to more and more publishers uh, just you know from the design angle but so far you know hero brigade was uh distributed by game slew and eternal dynasty if it funds will be published by by game slew as well so I've, I've had a good relationship with them all right so then you at one point you were potentially thinking that you would take on the publisher role but right now you're fairly comfortable in just the designer role. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's what a lot of first-time tabletop creators learn is doing the publisher role is a lot of work. Yes. And uh, <laughs> there is a reason why you only get like 3 to 5% as a first-time designer is your cut because you're really only doing 3 to 5% of the work. And I know that's hard to hear for a lot of designers because they think, you know, the idea of the gameplay, that's, that's the key. But uh, try doing everything else and you'll really uh, appreciate what a, what a good uh, publisher can do for you. Right. Well, and it also is try to do everything else and still work on that second game you were trying to work on. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, you real real quick, you'll be looking for ways to uh, divvy off some of that responsibility if you can. Right. I think we talked briefly about some of your process during uh, of what you were going through for Hero Brigade, and I think actually, mm-hmm. if I remember right. We were talking about it in the aspect of you were already kind of working on the expansion. Yeah. Let me ask you then on a more general basis. Do you have a design process when you sit down 
and and get a game that you've decided you want to see fully developed? Is there somewhere you start, or does it d- depend on the game, or, or it, it how's depends, that work? I do have my iPad is full of ideas and I sync my notes uh, with my computer, like my Gmail, my Google account. Mm -hmm. And uh, anytime I think of an idea or potential game idea or even a mechanic or a a theme or a concept, I make sure I write it down. That's the the most vital thing because whenever I write down something, you know, (laughs) you know, sometimes lightning doesn't strike twice and you forget this amazing idea that you had and you end up kicking yourself. So I'm getting into the habit of writing everything down. And I feel that I'm at the point where I can weed out the bad ideas now myself. I'll play through iterations of a game in my head and I'm like, okay, that's stupid. And I just toss it. Um, so, I mean, there's a kind of, a, I have, a, I guess, some self-checks after I, I brainstorm. And uh, I actually started bringing in more and more people, uh, not just playtesters. For Eternal Dynasty, I actually brought in uh, my friend Josh, who also has uh, you know, game design as a, as a real passion. And he really helped refine Eternal Dynasty. So are you, again, kind of maybe looking at your process a bit i mean mm-hmm. how much uh how much of the play testing side say do you like to do with your games before is there a set number or is it just I, keep doing it no, go ahead i'm sorry i'm sorry no no, no. uh sorry I, I love to jump in you know that <laughs> <laughs> for me there's not a, a specific number it's when i feel it's ready but i will play test even like a four or five player game i'll play test it myself like i'll play all four or five players parts and I'll, I'll go through it until i think it's ready to show other people and for hero Brigade, you know the idea just worked and that was only you know a few weeks before i really got it to a point where i was really happy with it and i could show it to other people uh but for eternal dynasty the gestation period was several months like it was almost half a year before i showed it to to our playtest group okay so then let's let's talk a little bit about that then let's go back to say uh concept time when you were mm-hmm. working with eternal dynasty can you maybe take us through a little bit of the process to get that into a good prototype? Let's let's just go in, into that area. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I wanted to do that, that for concepting, I wanted to make, uh, I don't know if you ever played the old Koei Romance of the Three Kingdoms video games. Yes, a little bit. But mm-hmm. I wanted that as a board game. That that was my main inspiration. And the gameplay came from you know, various network building games and also uh, Go, Weichi, the old classic game. I mean, you played Eternal Dynasty now, so I mean, one of the things is, I mean, you do one thing on your turn. You, you either place a piece right. or, you you know, you play a card. So I wanted very simple mechanics like that, but, you know, the, the feel of the generations, like you get a new ruler each generation, and the gameplay changes based on your ruler and your position. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's what that's what I was trying to capture with the game. So that, that took me a couple months, and then once, you know, as I said, you know, I played it against myself a few times and, until I thought it was ready, and then I brought it to the playtest group. Early prototyping is just you know note cards, uh, printing out on paper. Uh, I use a lot of Magic Set Editor for uh, for early card prototyping. I'll just print them out and sleeve some land, and then use those as the cards. And so then you take that, and then you uh, once you get to a decent prototype, and mm-hmm. is it do you have a set group that you use for playtesting, or do you yeah. take it to a game store, or what, what do you do there? No, I have a pretty good group of friends who are willing to play test. Uh, it was a little harder with Hero Brigade because I was just starting out. Like they, were, I mean, like they were dragging their feet. They're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, really? Do, do we have to do that? And, I, and I'm sure you run into that too when you need to, uh, you know, uh, gather people to play test games and review them. But <laughs> people, you know, they only want to play finished games, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, it, it was tough with tougher with Hero Brigade. But after, you know, the success of Hero Brigade, you know, more and more of our friends are like, oh, you know what? This is kind of legit. You know, we'll help out. 
Okay. Let's have a little conversation around Eternal Dynasty. What uh, is your uh, pitch for Eternal Dynasty, sir? Well, Ed, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but for me, it's Three Kingdoms, not necessarily the era, but Three Kingdoms style uh, storytelling and gameplay in one. You know, it's a it's a general generational story of feuding families. And uh, it's kind of a, maybe not necessarily a gateway game, but it's a simpler to learn game. I love elegant rules, simple, elegant rules, kind of putting them together. So there's, you know, really deep layers of strategy. For me, I love really important decision gates, like critical decision thinking, uh, critical decision making. And that's what you get when you get the three rulers and your six cards at the beginning of any generation. You have to find that that best combination or what you think is going to help you the most for that turn. Yeah. And we've gotten plays in actually, uh, I'm editing the podcast where we review it right now. So we got our plays in and, and we've, uh, had our, our conversation around the game. It's a very nice, solid game. And, uh, one of the things that I tend to say about it is it's, it's just that next step in the gateway game process to me. Right. Um, uh- and Cyrus, uh, uh, better known to, I guess, the internet as Father Geek, you know, he said it's like when you get bored with Risk, you know, th- uh, this is the next step. You know, you know, Risk, too, um, just to touch on this a little bit, you know, Risk has established strategies. You know, it's like an incomplete game. It's solved, right? Pe- people know, okay, South America, you know, strategy, Africa, uh, you know, Africa strategy, you know, that you have people who followed kind of the same things every time. You're like, okay, if this is taken, then I do this. This is my next best move. It's like memor- memorizing chess patterns. But it's not something you can really do with Eternal Dynasty because the game is so fluid. It keeps changing with, with the rulers and, and the events that come up. Right, yeah. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, it's it's got the simple concept behind it of you either place influence or you use a card. But I mean, that that's just really peeling it back to its core, because there's really right. a lot of decision making on when you're going to use the influence. Right. Do you have bonus influence to use because of the ruler? Does your ruler have an ab- ability that you can potentially use right now? And what does your card say? Right. And of course, you can always call a vote. So what do your vote cards say and all that good stuff? So there's a lot to uh, kind of use for strategy. But right. when you peel it back, especially for a, uh, again, like I said, this is like a step up for a gateway. I, I wouldn't quite put it in a gateway, but I'd right. say once people are used to gateways and stuff and maybe somebody's like, okay, well, how about this? You know, what, what, what other kind of games you got? This is a good gateway, especially into the area control games. Right. And because it, it does boil back down to here's what you do. You know, we get X number of turns and then when it's your turn, are you going to put influence out or are you going to play a card? You know, and, and it's easy to get into that role and have people just sit there and go, okay, yeah, I, I get what's going on and just kind of keep playing with it. Yeah. Each of the mechanics by themselves is not complex. They're, they're pretty easy to pick up. But when you put it all together, you know, that, you know, especially the voting mechanic, that's like the meta game within, uh, for the game itself. The voting mechanic, I think it really adds like a really rich layer to the, to the gameplay. I really enjoyed my time with this. I know Nick from knowing you and, and having, mm-hmm many conversations with you Uh, i know you were a little bit worried about coming out with a such a larger game after hero brigade yeah yeah i mean and this is where i have to give a shout out to jason glover uh four tribes currently on kickstarter so shout out to jason uh but he was the one who advised me start off with a smaller game before you know you shoot for the moon and right now i'm I'm shooting for the moon with eternal dynasty because of the higher funding goal and it's, it's you know such an elaborate game uh but that's also i wanted to make sure and and get 
you know, stellar artwork. You know, it, I want the components and the look of the game to match what I feel is, um, you know, the complexity of the game itself. So I, I want to make a beautiful game. Yes. And, and you have, <laughs> uh, I mean, we absolutely loved the artwork, the stuff that was finalized that we, mm-hmm. we knew was finalized in the uh, review copy we got. Right. And like of course, ruler. and of course the, uh, massive board and <laughs> yeah, the, 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 I think you called it like it was like getting an HGTV shipped in the mail to you. I, dude, I got I got a call at work, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was almost in trouble for a minute. <laughs> like, what did you get now? Nice. Why did you buy another TV? I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just a game board, I promise. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Uh, but it's it is a it's a nice, beautiful board. I know you've been kind of playing around with the. Uh, end design for the right. board yeah we cleaned up the design a little bit like this scoring reference we're just going to print out like a scoring card because there should be extra room on the card sheet right. so that that saves a lot of room and then we kind of shifted the province off the side and add a little bit of texturing and blew up the provinces so it just i mean it just feels more elegant you know you you kind of mentioned uh, uh jason <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh that kind of goes i mean you know jason and i just sat down here recently as well yep. And of course, we uh, waxed poetically a bit about uh, the game crafter, and and, and yep. you're you're one it. of those individuals that hang out there with us. Yep. So, uh, how how does the game crafter kind of fit into your overall uh, scheme for you know designing games and, and oh, prototyping and stuff? Absolutely critical. And you know, shout out to their their Kickstarter as well, uh, Village in a Box. Um, you know, uh, the game crafter is an incredible service. Uh, it really is, and. That's how I was able to make such pretty prototypes with the art that I had with Hero Brigade that I think really helped sell it to Game Salute. You know, they got on board because the prototype looks nice. You know, it's like interviewing for a job. You know, the suit's not going to get you the job, but if it's between, you know, people with the exact same qualifications, the guy with the suit's going to get it. <laughs> you know, you talked about doing, you know, Jason giving you the uh, advice to run a smaller mm-hmm. campaign. And of course, you did that with Hero Brigade, and that was successful. Yep. How did that? prepare you then for this kickstarter oh it, it was invaluable i mean there's nothing like running a kickstarter to learn how to do a kickstarter uh, but i mean that seems self-evident you know learning by doing right i don't know if you remember but uh when i first prepared the drafts like i went through several drafts for group brigade and i shared it with gamecraft and board game geek and you know a bunch of other things and i got a ton of feedback like this is terrible this is terrible this is terrible your video with you in it you are terrible you know things like that <laughs> uh, you know i got a lot of critical feedback but it was important and then took all of it learned what i could and then uh, i did um i did the same thing for eternal dynasty i showed it to everybody and people were like oh it looks fine <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah obviously i learned something <laughs> That was uh, an, an important part of the process as well, right. and, and one that you've used quite a bit is the whole sharing the the preview link and oh, getting yeah. the feedback, and uh, and and you did make some changes based on feedback for even oh, yeah. Eternal Dynasty here, right? But uh, I mean, it was minor compared to like the the massive revisions I was doing with Hero Brigade, like I don't know, almost right. daily. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's I I completely remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, that you were scrambling for quite a while, and actually last time too for Hero Brigade, you were scrambling from the aspect of just before it launches when Game Salute finally yeah. got back to you after playtesting the game or whatever, yep. and uh, saying, "Oh yeah, we're we're on board fully." <laughs> so you were even scrambling on that end. So uh, right. this time around, I think you were a, a, a little more comfortable. <laughs> yes, coming into this one too. Absolutely. Although I wouldn't say I was exactly 100% comfortable with it. Like, I still had, like, anxiety, like, before launching the Kickstarter. I thought it would be better the second time around, and it was a little bit, but I was still really anxious before launching the first day. 
Oh, I know. I remember you posting about it. <laughs> you thought you were going to have a heart attack or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, being on the verge. I think my my line was being on the verge of launching a Kickstarter is what I feel like. You know, the onset of a heart attack, but it's probably like. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the things too. I mean, we off and on, especially somebody that's well. You know, I just I just talked to uh, you know I've talked to Jason. I've talked to Michael Co yeah. here recently as I'm, well. I'm sure Jason sleeps through his launches. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I think I, it might have been Michael. I asked that too. It's like, do they ever get easier? And he's like. Good Lord, no, or something like that. He's like, he's like they get they get harder every time. Well, I think at the point where they're at, though, the expectations are harder, so it changes. Like, it, I mean, the expectations are higher, rather. So, you know, it's a different set of challenges. Let me ask you this, because this is one I've just recently started to ask, and I think I asked Jason the other night. But and, okay. and maybe you're not completely affected by it yet, but we'll find out here in a second. Right. <laughs> As somebody who utilizes Kickstarter to pretty much get your games out there, and mm-hmm. having gone through a full Kickstarter process once and now coming into this one, mm-hmm. does the fact that you're using Kickstarter and knowing that stretch goals are pretty much demanded these days, does that enter into your thought process during design at all? Not during, well, okay, I, I, I guess, no, I have to say yes. Is, uh, and that's something a lot of the playtesters suggest too, because they know it's going to be up on Kickstarter after, you know, uh, we, we decided this is the game I was going with. So, uh, I mean, no, yes, it actually does, because you can say, okay, this is the base game. And especially when I was getting quotes, I actually asked for stretch goal quotes. So I would know going in what numbers I need and what I can set the stretch goals at. So yes, it did enter the design process. Absolutely. Knowing that I was using Kickstarter. And how does that make you feel, I guess, in a way? I mean, and let me kind of clarify what I'm kind of talking about. The reason that this has kind of been in my brain lately and why I started asking it is because, like we said, it's pretty much a requirement now. People expect stretch goals. But as a designer, right, you never want to put out a half-baked game. No, yeah. And hope you stretch goal into the game you meant to put out. Yes. And that's why I set such a high funding goal, which I know if I'd set it for 10,000, you know, we'd be funded already and pushing into stretch goals, but it would be, it wouldn't be the game that I wanted to make. It would be an incomplete game to me. So then how do you approach that? You know, I, I'm asking for the money for the complete game that I meant to make, but if I make more than that, you know, I, I've got to appease the people, if you will. Right. Well, uh, I did set a couple of campaign challenges uh, rather than stretch goals, you know, when we got a certain amount of backers. But those are things that I wanted to kind of do anyway uh, afterwards. And so these are kind of add-ons. Uh, these are things that I was thinking about that would expand replayability. And far as stretch goals are concerned, when it starts overfunding, hopefully, uh, keeping fingers crossed, again, cautiously optimistic, but it's actually going to be component upgrades. The most, most of the stretch goals I planned out are component upgrades. So it's not going to change how the game plays. It's just going to be, you know, nicer parts uh, for some of it. But I am planning to use Panda. GM for the printing. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a high quality game regardless. And then, uh, again, going back to the fact that you had Hero Brigade, which was a smaller game uh, mm-hmm. and a, a vastly different game. Right. How did this being the uh, a larger project and a differing type of game, was there anything that came into factoring starting this Kickstarter because of that? Yeah, I kind of wrestled with it. The safer move probably would have been to do Hero Brigade 2 first to continue building up an audience and doing, but th- this is the game that I wanted to make. This was, you know, this is a passion project for me, but obviously everything you put on Kickstarter, except for those obvious cash grabs, you know, they're, they're, they're passion projects. You know, this is, this is the game I wanted to make. I love Hero Brigade 2. 
you know, the art's actually done for Cooper Brigade too. Um, you know, we've done some preliminary testing for it. But uh, Eternal Dynasty is the game. Like, you know, this this is the game I want to make. You know, I don't want to say it's my piece of resistance or whatever. But, you know, if I'm going to be remembered for a game, I'd rather be remembered for Eternal Dynasty rather than Hero Brigade at this point. Well, and this was this was actually the game you were originally thinking about starting with, right? Yeah. Th- yeah. This is one of the games, game ideas that I had, you know, way back when I'm like, OK, look, you know, I'm going to tr- try my hand at game design. But again, you know, Jason's advice and the other people's advice, you know, start with a smaller project. You know, that's when I focused on Hero Brigade first. And of course, like you said, you know, Hero Brigade 2 is coming down the pipe. Yes. And we'll let people know that, uh, that will be a future Kickstarter. Yep. It's four uh, player, two, two versus two tag team fights. That's going to be the, the, the new twist because it'll be uh, a brand new team of uh, heroes and villains or two brand new teams rather. So when it comes to, uh, Eternal Dynasty here, mm-hmm. if somebody is checking out the project and is on the fence, what couple things would you tell them to convince them that this is the project they need to back right now? Uh, the people, uh, I, I think a little. Some people are afraid that it's too complex of a game, and it's hard to convey that. You know, again, it's built up of a lot of simple, elegant mechanics that that combine well together. So I would say, you know, don't be intimidated by the game. It's 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 actually not a hard game to learn. You know, as I said, you know, I'm I'm trying to make a, a really beautiful game, not just you know the simplicity and elegance of the game mechanics, but also how it looks and you know the, the level of components that will be there. You know, I want people to see this game. I mean, I want other gamers to see this game and covet it for various reasons. And I'll just kind of add on to that a little bit. Like I said, we're, we're, I'm in the middle of editing the review right now, but the preview copy that we got mm-hmm. was early rules and pretty much just written rules. Right. And we had no problem learning the game. So this is right. without examples or images or any of that good stuff. Right. Which is coming. Right. I assumed it was, but again, yeah, I, I get it. We, you know, this is, you're, you're trying to right. get, you're trying to get a bunch of us to look at the game and give our opinion. Right. So I, I wasn't expecting it, but what, what I'm trying to get at is the fact that it was straight text. Uh, I had no problem learning the game and both Jordan and I were extremely pleased with the fact that if we had questions while we were playing, we found the answers pretty quickly and kept moving. Nice. Which doesn't happen all the time, right? Uh, so we were extremely pleased with that side of it. And again, this is a very early rough rule book that right. we've got in our hand. So yeah, it's, it is very easy to learn. I have, you know, said it a couple times here, but I do consider it a next step up from a uh, gateway game. So it is just right. on the other side of being a gateway game and yeah i mean it's kind of kind of a medium weight game right. medium game as they might call it right and i think one of the few things that probably keeps it from being an actual gateway game would probably be mm. the time right i mean there's there's Except for the, th- the three-player game is a little bit faster i mean you can play a three-player game in like 45 minutes yeah but it, it 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 still depends on the the individuals and stuff but yeah i mean that and and of course there there are some concepts here that you know people that you're bringing into gateway games probably aren't necessarily ready for right uh, but uh, the voting mechanic i think would probably be the trickiest like i think they would understand how to play it but i think they would be kind of outfoxed by people who are more hardcore gamers right once you get somebody that's really comfortable in that gateway space and they they mm-hmm. might come up to you and say okay well what's what's next this is like i said right on that doorstep mm-hmm. uh, so yes uh, i agree with you that this is a very uh easy game to pick up and learn. But again, I don't want to sell it too far down that way either because there is a lot involved in what you're doing. There is a lot of 
thinking about and again it's area control so you are thinking about where your influence and stuff goes and uh kind of like what jordan i think said in in the actual review is it's nice it's it's a nice uh area control in 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 a different light because you're not moving tanks and all that so you're not you know right. doing all of that stuff it's just a very nice simple elegant way to do area control that still has a lot of thought process in it behind it to uh, make sure you're doing the best for your side of things. And Right. And, and that's the, the go influence, the way Chi influence, uh, you know, placing stones, like just placing an influence and kind of forming a network that way. And, and, and right. This is how it does differ from other area control games like small world history, of the world risk, because you're not attacking each other actively with armies every turn. You're not actually wiping people out. You're jockeying for position. I mean, you're these feuding families and that's why there's both military and political influence. Like adding a military guy isn't moving an army guy. You know, you're, you're deploying troops. You're, you're building up your forces there. One quick example that I remember from one game is uh, there was, I, I want to say it was a ruler ability, and for for some reason, I don't think he could use it on Megan, but he could still use it against me, and I think it was basically getting rid of military influence. Oh, yeah, there's a pinger, yeah. Right, so I would put something out in military influence, and of course Jordan would wipe it right off, so <laughs> it was just, I mean, so it's as, as simple as, well, you know what, I need to start focusing on my influence or my political side. Right. Uh, and again, it's just that simple, right? But it's something mm-hmm. that you've got to realize is happening and and look at what's going on to you and and make the switch and say, okay, well now I'm going to get, you know, a political influence until I can get back into the military game or find a good card in my hand that lets me do something military that he can't wipe out right away. So right. I mean there there is, you know, again, there's just there's a lot of little things that you can do, but again, going back it boils down to you can play an influence or you can play a card. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I love and obviously I'm biased, but I love the little synergy, synergies and interactions between not just the older rulers that are playing against each other, but also the ruler that you have now and the ruler that you pick next generation. One of my favorite combos, obviously you're not always going to get it, is ones that give you extra influence. And then the next generation, you get one of the ones that allow you to shift them around. Oh, I love that's a great setup when it it happens. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I still like the game, even though. (laughs) And here's here's what happened to me on the last generation. Nick. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Megan got the ruler that uh, she couldn't be messed with uh, in military. Uh And Jordan got the rule. Again, it's been a while since we played, so I don't remember the actual ruler's names and and the exact abilities, but Mm -hmm. I remember she couldn't be messed with for for military, which is an awesome last generation ability. Yeah. Yeah. And Jordan got, and Jordan's ability was all about messing with military. So who got hosed in that scenario? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, those, and what I love, too, is how those rulers have different amounts of strength in the three, four, and five-player games. Some of the ones that are really good in the, in the three-player game are not quite as strong in the five and vice versa. So I really love that aspect of, of, the, of the ruler abilities, too. Um, because the ones with cards tend to be really powerful in the four- and five-player game, but not so much in the three-player game. Because there's extra turns uh, where you're just placing one guy, and you kind of run out of steam with those cards. We know Hero Brigade 2 is coming. Do you have longer-term goals beyond that with Kickstarter and, and game design? I think eventually, I, w- I mean, uh, kind of what Greater Design Games is doing, I would like to be there eventually in a couple of years. I mean, I think that's my three to five year goal plan is to not need Kickstarter. You know, let's say Hero Brigade 2 is a success. You know, maybe I just 
sell try to uh, sell Hero Brigade three to GameSlow and let them do whatever with it, and then I, you know I can focus on another game without having to go through the Kickstarter because and who's ever done the Kickstarter knows what a tremendous amount of work it is. You know I'm you know now that you know fulfillment for Hero Brigade is wrapping up, I'm still doing work on Hero Brigade a year later. So uh, you know it, Kickstarter is. Uh, amazing, but it's also a ton of work. As I said, you see those obvious cash grabs. People are like, "Oh, you know, this guy made twenty thousand dollars on Kickstarter for a card game. I'll just throw up a card game, and you know, it's terrible." <laughs> and you, you have to do your work. And uh, you know, when we were talking about the revisions, you know, that was, you know, even though you know I was making revisions up until the last week or, or whatever, uh, last, you know, even a couple of days before the launch, you know, those were pages that I had started writing like three, four months in advance. Yeah, you've been, especially even like the Eternal Dynasty page. I mean, you've oh, had yeah. that up for quite a while and you've been tweaking that and, yeah. and even showing off. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things, again, that's, we've talked about it, uh, and Jason and I talked about it, but another great benefit of the Game Crafter community is, I mean, you've been showing off artwork, you've been showing off rules, you've been getting feedback oh, yeah. way before you ever launched this Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. And that's important because, um, if you hear the same thing enough times, you, you, I mean, that's when you start to pay attention. Uh, you're like, you know what? Maybe that's something I need to look at. Maybe that's a mechanic I need to revisit. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the game crafter is invaluable and, and there's such great people in there. Uh, the, you know, for the community for the most part, it's just amazing. Yeah. And that was something you and I hit on last time we talked about too, mm-hmm. is the fact that, uh, uh, it, it's extremely important to get feedback, but you have to filter it. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's why I mentioned, uh, you know, if you hear the same thing a few times, right. uh, if one person says one thing once, mm, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. And I think I, I've talked to a couple different people recently that I've been given feedback to. And uh, at least one person I made sure I was like, I've told numerous people, but even recently it's like, look, here, here's my feedback. At the end of the day, I, I'm not going to get upset if you don't agree with me. That's fine. Right. Uh, because at the end of the, I mean, I'm giving you feedback because I care enough to make sure, hopefully help get your project funded. And this is what I see, mm-hmm. but I'm not always right. I've had people go against the grain before and somehow pulled it off or barely squeaked by. And maybe they could have done better if they'd done something different. Or right. I've had people go the complete opposite. They, they just went off their own way and, and it didn't happen. But at the end of the day, Nick has to be comfortable with eternal dynasty. Right. Nick has to be comfortable with how the project is being run. So whatever I say, I, you know, it's nothing off me, right? I've just given you some opinion and some time. End of the day, you're the guy trying to get the money. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I'm always, I'm like, you're not offending me or anything. I, so, you know, and hopefully I'm not offending you. Here's, here's my opinion. Here's my feedback that you asked for and, uh, use it if you can. If, if not, have, have a good campaign and I still hope you get funded. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because I think last time we talked, uh, we had talked about the uh, you know, every once in a while I get somebody that asks for feedback and then they they go through why everything you say is wrong. <laughs> yeah, they get very defensive. Uh, and I've gotten a lot of requests now that you know I have one successful Kickstarter under my my, my belt, and you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks, you know, I'll have two. But yeah, I, I mean, I've gotten a ton of requests for people to look at their their Kickstarter uh, previews, and also I'm now involved in more of those Facebook groups too, with, with the game designer yeah. groups, where yeah, I see yeah. a lot of those. And yeah, some people get really defensive, and they're like, you know, it's fine, you know, and you know, you can tell, as you said, you know, you tell them, you give them the best advice that you can, and it's up to them to take it or leave it. Which, yeah, by the way, dude, I have seen you popping up a lot more and that's, that's cool to see, uh, in, in those, in those places. 
Yeah, I've just been trying to get be more active in the community, and that's something I wish I'd done with Hero Brigade. Like, I didn't know half, half of this. I didn't know 90% of this stuff existed, you know, all these resources out there. You know, I was lucky to stumble upon, like, uh, Jamie uh, Stegmeyer's blog, Stonemeyer Games blog, right. uh, because I read his Kickstarter lessons front to finish. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, then I discovered later, you know, James Math's blog, you know, things like that. I mean, there's just so many great resources out there, but you have to do your research. You have to go out there and find it. And you have to, uh, you know, decide on, as you said, what, what works best for you. Like I didn't follow Jamie's uh, Kickstarter lessons point by point, but I took the things that, I, you know, I thought I could do and that worked for me. You know what? We've kind of ventured into that realm here off and on, but do you mm-hmm. have any, uh, major lessons that you want to share with anybody that might be coming uh, to Kickstarter here soon? Yeah. Number one, and this is, you know, it's just Kickstarter, you know, assuming you have a great fun playable game, you have to do your homework. You you really do. This is what I've told everybody, run your numbers, get your quotes and do everything months in advance. You you see such a slipshod Kickstarter sometimes the box and shipping. And now, you know, we're not making any money at the Kickstarter. We're actually losing money to, to ship this out. Uh, so, I mean, that's where you have to be really careful and make sure you, you do put it out there. Uh, show it to, you know, a few people whose opinions uh, that you trust. Uh, because a lot of people, when you ask them to show, they're like, oh, you know, I don't want you to steal my idea. I'm like, dude, I have a million ideas. I'm not going to steal your idea. If you want my feedback, you know, someone, um, uh, who's, who's done it before, you know, or if, even if you don't trust me, show it to someone whose opinion you trust. Someone who's going to give you real honest feedback and not just say, hey, that looks nice. That's been a huge one for me lately too. And, uh, I, th- I said it here recently, I think, but I've kind of, I, I had a couple people that weren't sure what I was talking about. And I, at one point I was like, you know what? Go over to the four tribes Facebook page, scroll through all the messages that Jason has posted. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you need to be doing. That's the kind of communication you need to be doing and, and how soon you need to be doing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Community outreach. Yeah. J- Jason is a natural at this stuff. Right. And you know, and you've been doing the same again with eternal dynasty. You've been sharing artwork and rules and all that stuff. And the preview page has been up and, and revamped and forever before the launch. And, uh, it's just, it, it's such an important part now. And it's one of those things. Hopefully people are finally getting that Kickstarter is not your marketing. It's, yes. It's maybe a, it's a small piece while you're running it, but your marketing is before you launch. Yeah. You, you can't rely on, on kick, the Kickstarter tools itself. Absolutely not. Unless you have like a $100 goal and you don't really care. You just want to get it out there. That's fine. Uh, like tiny project like that. But yeah, a, a, anything that has a $5,000 goal or higher. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're, you're getting out there. I kind of feel really lucky with Hero Brigade because I stumbled into it thinking that I knew what I was doing, but not really <laughs> knowing what I was doing. And, you know, I feel like I have a much better uh, grasp uh, now that I'm running Eternal Dynasty. Well, it's it's definitely showing, dude. And I know you you say you're cautious, but uh, I I see no problems here. Uh, you're you're gonna fund. We're we're looking at you overfunding all that good stuff. All right, so let's uh, let's tell some people about uh, what's going on with Eternal Dynasty right now. So Eternal Dynasty is on Kickstarter right now. It's going until Sunday, February 16th, and Nick is looking for $22,500, and he's got a little over 10000 already. Uh, but, of course, he still needs your love. So uh, go on out there and check out Eternal Dynasty for sure. And, uh, it's again, it's a great game. Uh, there's already some, uh, if, if you're not sure, if, if you're not sure from listening to Nick and I talk about it, 
Uh, there's already some review stuff out there. Again, Jordan and I will be putting out our review here soon as well. So, uh, and that yep. will be on the Kickstarter page as well, I believe. I think you yep. got a yeah. There's a Facebook says yeah. pending pending skates. I'm just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I saw that. That's that. That's what's making me uh want to make sure I get in some editing, more editing this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Nick, anything you want to leave uh, the people with about Eternal Dynasty or Zucchini People games before we wrap up here? No, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's not quite a one-man show. I have a great group of uh, friends, but I really want to thank my friends and the family for for helping me get you know get to this point. You know, Eternal Dynasty, as I said, it, it's a it's a passion project. You know, I, I think again, obviously, it's it's my game, but I, I think it really has a lot of widespread potential. Don't be intimidated by it. You know, it, I think it's a beautiful game. The artist Leia just you know did a knockout job. Uh, with the art and it's going to be printed through Panda most likely. So it's going to have, you know, beautiful components too. So, um, you know, if you want, you know, if you're, if you're looking to get into territory control games, if, if you're looking to challenge yourself with a more complex game, uh, after, you know, as we talked mastering the gateway games, I think Eternal Dynasty has that, you know, has a real sweet spot there. And even veteran territory control gamers, which, you know, we've been going to the local game stores and playing with them, you know, they've really come away impressed. And a lot of them have pledged after, you know, we've, uh, we've played at the local game stores. Excellent. Yes. And like I said, from our uh, end and well, from my end specifically, uh, Eternal Dynasty is definitely a great game, a solid game. Uh, I am a backer. Uh, I'm yep. out there, uh, and I w- I'm waiting for my copy as well. Uh, I got to, again, I played this with Megan. Uh, she was, she was our third player when we were looking for a third player to make sure we got the review mm-hmm. in. And, uh, she stomped Jordan and I. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got to get it back to the table. <laughs> yeah. So definitely check it out. And again, check out the show notes if, or go to the allusgeeks.com website because uh, Nick's got a banner ad out there as well. You can click through or check out the show notes and I'll put the links in there as well as some other links like uh, to be able to check out Nick on uh, Twitter and all that good stuff. So uh, Nick, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, man. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right. And we will be back soonish with more interviews. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.